What's up, everyone? I'm Lexi. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Kills, Thrills, and Chills. Buckle up for this week's case. Hi, guys. As I'm sure most of you have heard, there was a school shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday, May 24th. The 18-year-old gunman, Salvador Ramos, shot his grandma on Tuesday morning, who is still in critical condition in the hospital. Salvador then proceeded to Robb Elementary School with a rifle and shot whoever got in his way. This horrendous act of violence cost 19 children and two staff members their lives. This has sadly been a recurring incident in our country, and I believe it's time to make a change. We need to prioritize our children and faculty safety more than anything else. Parents should not be scared to death to send their children to school wondering if they will see them that afternoon. And especially children should not be scared for their lives every day in school when they're just trying to get an education. We ask that you continue to talk about this and let your voice be heard. We need to give the recognition to the victims that they deserve. Our country needs to take action against this as each year this problem is getting out of control. We will be doing everything in our power to bring awareness to this issue and we hope you join us in doing the same. Stay tuned and please keep an eye out on our social media for ways to support this movement. Stay safe and God bless. Today I am covering Joe Metheny. I think I'm saying his name right, but if I'm not, someone correct me. So, I'm not going to give anything away, and I'm just going to get right into it. So, Joe Metheny was born March 2nd, 1953. Ironically, he was known as Tiny, despite him being 6'1 and over 400 pounds. He was one of six children. His father was an alcoholic, and his mom was very neglectful. He claims he didn't have a great childhood. Him and his siblings bounce around from foster family to foster family, Although, Joe's mom didn't really put them in the system. She was just paying people to take care of the kids for long periods of time. So, when Joe was six, his father passed away in a car accident. So, his mom had to take care of all six kids by herself. She had two jobs, but they were still poor because she was a single mom. And she was taking care of six kids, which is a lot. So, she disagrees with Joe that the kids, quote-unquote, had a rough upbringing. She just claims, you know, I was a single mom with two kids, I meant with six kids, sorry, with two jobs trying to make ends meet. At the age of 18, Joe joined the military. He said he served in Vietnam, but there's no actual records of, like, where he was actually stationed. Um, But anyway, during this time, Joe became addicted to meth and heroin. When he came back home from the military, he really kept no contact with his family. And at this time, he was homeless and addicted to drugs. He would live on the streets in homeless communities in South Baltimore, and he was well well known. He was also known for having a really high temper. Professionally, though, he was considered well-mannered, dependable, even-tempered, and he held a full-time job as a truck driver. During the time, he meets a woman who was also an addict. They fell in love, they got married, and then they had a kid. Um, I couldn't find her name anywhere for some reason, but I, I just know he was married to... Some woman who he had a kid with who was also an addict. Joe was working, so then he was able to pay for a trailer and eventually have a home with his wife and now child. Unfortunately, since they were both addicts, you know, it wasn't a stable home life for their kid. And one night in 1994, he came home from work and he noticed everything in his house was gone. He didn't see his wife or his kid in the house and realized quickly that she moved out with their six-year-old and took everything. He was so angry and didn't know where they went. 
Six months goes by, and he's still doing drugs. He's still addicted to drugs. So he goes down to his drug dealer, and then he, he finds out through his drug dealer that his wife moved to the other side of town with another man and then became a sex worker. Their son was taken away from her due to child neglect and abuse. Um, I couldn't really find anything too much about their son what happened to him. So I'm just going to go on about Joe's story. Yeah. Also because that he was a minor and they didn't want anything out there. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking because he was only six when he was put into the oh, system. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. So that's, that's, that's probably why. So... Being that he finds out that his wife moved with another man, became a sex worker, he is furious. So when he finds out, he is like, I'm going to get my son back. He finds out his wife is living under a bridge with a group of homeless people in Baltimore. It was called, like, Tent City, you know, where, like, there's, like, small communities of homeless people. So he goes down to this bridge where the homeless community was. He sees two homeless men named Randall Brewer and Randy Piker. And asked him about his wife. They tell him they haven't seen her and they don't know anything about it. But Joe was such in a rage he didn't want to hear it. He truly believed that these guys knew where she was and was hiding it from him. Because it was a small, tight-knit community with, like, the homeless people and everything. Everybody knew everything. He truly believed that they weren't telling him the truth. He even believed that they were having sexual relations with her, being that she was in sex work now. And quoting his statements, they were not there, but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's where I left, except they were dead from being chopped up. So, what? yeah. What the fuck? So, he gets so angry at these two homeless men, Randall Brewer and Randy Piker, that he goes and gets an axe, comes back, and he chops off both of their heads. Jesus Christ. So this escalated really quickly. Clearly. So he went on to state that straight after that murder, he doped up two prostitutes and lured them under the bridge to get any information out of them. When Joe didn't get what he wanted from either of the prostitutes, he raped both of them, beat them to death, and killed them. And he heard someone coming. So... He threw one of the girls in a bush, and as he's hiding the bodies, he notices an old man who had been fishing. So he wasn't sure if this guy was watching him or not, or if he saw everything that went down. Like, he literally just axe-murdered two guys and then two prostitutes. And he grabbed a steel pipe, and then he ran down on this guy who was fishing, he said, in his, I quote, I grabbed a steel pipe and ran down on him and laid his head wide open. So then, covered in blood, he then tied all the bodies to rocks and dumped them in the Patapasco River. And then he ended up killing five people in seven hours, which he later called, I quote, a very busy night. Well, yeah, that sounds like a pretty fucking busy night to me, Joe. Jesus Christ, Joe. I, right? What like, the hell? What the hell? Two weeks later, he was linked to the murders of Brewer and Piker, and he ends up serving a year and a half while awaiting for trial. However, a lack of evidence meant Joe was not felt found guilty of any of these deaths in court. There had been disputes involving rival groups of homeless men, and Larry Amos was convicted of stealing the murder weapon that Joe used, 
and he used it to kill Everett Dowell, another homeless man. The bodies were discovered on August 2nd, 1995, the same day that Everett Dowell was killed. Amos was arrested and accused of first-degree murder and pled guilty to the lesser charge of manslaughter. He was released after serving one year and nine months of an eight-year sentence. A jury then concluded in July of 1996 that there was insufficient evidence to convict Joe of murdering the two homeless men, Brewer and Piker, but he later said that he was guilty of those murders. So, during his time in jail, Joe learned absolutely nothing. Joe even stated in an interview that I was watching the murders were crimes of passion, but then he actually enjoyed the act of murder. He then develops a pattern of befriending sex workers, luring them to his trailer where he lived on the pallet factory site. He would offer the sex worker drugs, bring them home, strangle them, beat them, and rape them, and then would dismember their bodies. Um, so this part gets very gruesome. So if you're eating or drinking... Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Major trigger warning. I suggest you finish doing whatever you're doing before you continue listening. So if you're eating, finish what you're eating. If you're drinking, finish what you're drinking. Um, if you plan on eating soon, maybe pause it here and restart afterwards. Yeah, we both ate before this because Lexi <laughs> gave me the heads up that don't eat dinner after this story. So maybe if you're listening to this at like 7 a.m., maybe wait if you're walking into work or driving to work. Yeah, that'd be yeah. Good. This, this gets uh, pretty dark pretty quick. Wonderful. Remember how I said they dismembered the bodies? Mm-hmm. So... He started dismembering the bodies, and then he would cut the meat from their bodies and save their parts in Tupperware containers and put them in a freezer. Then the parts he didn't want, he would put into a shallow grave. And this went on for quite some time. He even buried uh, a skull, and at one point I read that, I have even a hard time like saying it because it just gives me full body chills, that once the skull was like covered in maggots and everything he dug it up cleaned it out and then fucked it like in his own words he literally said i fucked her skull because he just got off on things like that and excuse me for my gruesome language that was not me that would say that like that but he said like come on like you don't speak he said that (laughs) no i curse a lot but that's that's just some Ew, that's disgusting. The fact that you Horrible. bury it and then like go and and dig it up. Oh no! Ugh. And that's then actually ugh. disgusting. Ew, I I'm intrigued. Want to throw up a little bit? Thing. Are we doing like another? Okay, animal? yeah. So uh, okay, I won't say anything. Yeah. So the parts he didn't want, he puts into a shallow grave, and like I said, it went on for some time. During all this, he was still working full time at the factory, still doing drugs and everything like that. He wanted some extra cash, so he decided to embark on a new journey. He wanted to open up a roadside open pit roast beef and burger sandwich stand. I don't know if you guys are catching on to where I'm going with this. No, no, no. I think you can put two and two together. I wish you could see me. I literally just gagged. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I wish wish you guys could see her face right now. (laughs) 
Gross. Okay, so he sets up shop on a really busy road where truck drivers would pass through. He even had a sign that said, real roast beef and pork sandwiches. He said no one ever complained about the food or sandwiches and business was going really well. He was making some nice extra cash flow, so he really enjoyed doing it. So, Joe thought his stand needed some extra flavor, you know. So, you remember those chopped up parts of human flesh he stored in the freezer? Um, well, yeah, he decided that he was going to mix the body parts of his victims into his sandwiches. So, he didn't do that at first? No, he didn't he do it at like, first. He was just like, oh, something's like, missing. Yeah, he was just like, you know what? These sandwiches need a little extra flavor, a little extra flair, if you will. And so, ugh, I'm like so disgusted. <laughs> um, before serving them, he decided, well, you know what? I'm going to try this before I serve this to other people. And he grinded up the body parts that he froze into the meat mixtures different types of sandwiches and he tried it and he said wow this tastes just like meat you can't even tell the difference uh now his business is going really well for weeks and we don't actually know how many people ate at the stand and if anyone ever knowed like knew about this but essentially he was using those people to you know eat the bodies of his victims to hide the parts which is so just bone chilling like he even said oh yeah you know they were a live way to just dispose of human bodies like how sick in the head do you have to do that well I mean heroin and that yeah combination (laughs) of drugs so but Oh my god. Yeah. Ugh. So at some point he eventually runs out of the meat from his victims. And Joe then kills Kimberly Lynn Spicer in mid-November of 1996 by stabbing her with a knife. Then he kidnaps Rita Kemper on December 8th, 1996. And he attempts to rape her. And then according to prosecutors, he had shared drugs with Rita Kemper in the trailer where he was living at the pallet factory site. She then re- refused to have sex with him and ran out of the trailer. So he chased her, beat her, dragged her back into the trailer, and then pulled her pants down and attempted to rape her. She said that when he had attempted to murder her, he was saying, I quote, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. So he had thought he knocked her out cold and he had turned around for a second and she wasn't completely unconscious. She was still alive. So she ends up escaping through a window of the trailer and flees the scene. Now, in his head, he didn't think she was going to make it out because, like, he lived in the pallet factory in a trailer and there was, like, eight-foot fences with barbed wire across them. And she ends up finding this, like, eight-foot stack of, like, pallets, climbs up it, and hops the fence. And she, like, starts to wave down this truck driver, and the truck driver and her then go to the police officers in the area. Love to hear it. Yeah. 
So they report it to the police, and Joe was arrested and charged with her murder the same day. So when he was arrested, Joe begins confessing to other murders, as well as that as Spicer and some of the other people he murdered. He then leads police to a shallow grave where he reburied decapitated remains. And much of the skull was missing, but the police were able to identify Magaziner, her name was, from dental records. I had a hard time also finding some of the names of the victims, so I apologize for calling them homeless people or sex workers. Um, Because they are more than just that. They are human beings and they deserve to have a name. But being that there's so much uncertainty with the amount of people he killed and lack of evidence to tie him to some of the murders, um, there was a lack of information there. Police said that he had chosen young white sex workers who were addicted to heroin and cocaine. And the killings all involved brutal sexual assaults. He was indicted for killing Tony Lynn in Gracia, age 28, but then those charges were later dropped for lack of evidence. And then he claimed to also have killed three other prostitutes along Washington Boulevard and Boulevard, although there was no evidence for most of those crimes other than his confession. And, and unfortunately, I mean, as we all know, a lot of times heroin addicts and drug addicts and Sex workers often go not reported missing because, unfortunately, people don't realize that they are. So, it's just a sad, sad story, you know, that he just went after these. Ugh. I can't, I, you know, I have no words. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. So, he says that he had thrown all the bodies in the Papadisco River and that they had never been found. The Baltimore Sun newspaper reported in 1997 that it was not clear how truthful all of his claims were about how many people he killed, because although he said he killed up to about 10 people, there were some reports saying that there was up to 13 people. Uh, Joe's attorney actually said he was remorseful and that the drugs and alcohol had changed his personality and made him violent, but as I continue on, you'll see that he was not remorseful by any means for what he did. Clearly not. I can tell just by now. Yeah, exactly. So, he was tried in 1997 in the Kemper case, and he was given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He was acquitted of attempting to murder her. He was sentenced to death in 1998 for the murder of Spicer. And at his sentencing hearing, sorry guys, I can't talk today, He said that he committed murders because he quote-unquote enjoyed it and got a rush out of it, got a high out of it, and had no real excuse other than that I like to do it. So that's, for me, like, I don't know why his attorney said, like, he was remorseful because he clearly wasn't. And he clearly enjoyed it. Like, he said. So in August 1998, he pleaded guilty to murdering and robbing magaziner and the prosecutor sought the death penalty in that case as well he received a life sentence in prison his death sentence was then overturned in 2000 and the sentence for murder of spicer was reduced to life without parole 
And the rationale for the death penalty was that the murder had been committed in committing a robbery, but evidence indicated that the robbery robbery was not his motivation. I couldn't find much about that case. Um, He was eventually found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland on August 5th, 2017 at the age of 64. Um, So there's a apparently 10 to 13 victims some sources have conflicting information but like i said i think it's because he went after very vulnerable victims Mm -hmm. um but how many did they find did they find any of them that's the thing no like no i mean just the ones that he was like convicted on wow yeah so really he only got charged with like three charges that's just that's ridiculous it's come on (laughs) yeah so the whole thing was like really messed up and i just feel so horrible for these victims because i don't feel that any of them truly had any justice whatsoever um yeah no i agree with you half of them more than half of them weren't even found so exactly because well he was either sinking the bodies in the river burying them or feeding them at his sandwich shop. That's, uh, we'll address that in a minute, but I feel like if sinking in the river, I understand, but, like, there's ways to find them. Yeah, so that's also why a lot of sources that I read said, you know, maybe he was just claiming yeah. more murders than he actually committed. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, he wanted to just say he did more. But, oof. Yeah, I know for a fact he did seven total. Like, I think that was the total that, Jesus, you know. That's a lot. Yeah, but he confessed to, like, so many more, but there was no mm-hmm. evidence to no prove evidence. it. Wow. So I have a question regarding yeah. the truck and the food and all that. Um, did people find out about this? <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would never eat again in my life. Honestly, I would not. I know. And, like, the worst part about it, the fact that he was just like, oh, yeah, if you mix it together, you can't taste the difference. It tastes just like pork. Like, That's disgusting. It reminds me of that show with Sebastian Stan that came out. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what. Fresh. That was a, did you watch it? Or the movie? Not not sure. Um I think Matt watched it when yeah. I was I liked it. It was good. I also love Sebastian Stan. As you know, I'm a Marvel nerd and he's Bucky, so I had to watch it. But <laughs> that's what it just reminds me of. And if yeah. I'm not gonna give it away, everyone watch it. But yeah. Cannibals, it's what we're doing now. Well, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't though. He wasn't. He made people cannibals without them realizing. Yeah. He did taste it. True, true. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it that. (laughs) And he, oh, another thing he said, my, he, and I quote, my murder rampage started out as revenge, but ended up as a passion for the taste of blood and the overwhelming signs of power one gets for taking the life of another. Ew. It started as, wait, 
it this literally as revenge because his wife and left and took his son which you never yes. found like you kind of gave up after those two men and those two prostitutes exactly so he was in a drug-induced rage yeah assume the two men that were down at like below the bridge knew about his wife and his kid and just weren't saying anything so that just sparked his like killing spree he ends up killing five people in one night because he can't find his wife so poor innocent people (laughs) i know poor innocent people died because he was in a rage I can't believe I just can't get over how you serve human flesh to people and they don't even know it and oh my god I know it's just like um, it's gonna make me think twice about eating like I would throw up for the rest of my life (laughs) yeah literally I I feel like I don't want to eat anything unless I make it now (laughs) I know right it's just like ugh He claims he was a serial killer, and he claims, you know, that there was 13 people, but he was really only convicted of two, which is just absolutely insane to me. So what's, what are the odds that we think he only killed the two and none of the other things happened? I don't know. You know, he's clearly sick in the head, and he clearly wants attention. Because part of me thinks that, like, he might have confessed to some other murders just for the sole attention of it. Exactly. So. I don't know. Yeah. It's one of the mysteries out there. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to post a picture of this, like, disgusting human being. I don't even know what he looks like. Oh, my God. I'll send you a picture. We'll post it on our Instagram. But he is disgusting and also too like he says he was addicted to like meth coke and heroin how the fuck are you still 400 pounds i thought that was supposed to help you lose weight oh yeah that's true i don't know maybe it's not or something but i don't know that's it's crazy but oh my god just i can't believe that so did the public say anything like about um you know i didn't really it was like very there were so many conflicting sources mm-hmm. because, like I said, I, I we don't know if he said a lot of this stuff to get a rise out of people or if he actually killed 13 people or if it was just two. Yeah. Um, yep, that was uh, the case of Joseph Roy Methany. Well, Joseph Methany. Methany, Bethany. That's what it reminds me of. Bethany sucks, and that is disgusting. Right? And then the quotes that he says. Oh, yeah. And he said, the only thing I feel bad about in any of this is I don't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after. And that's my ex-old lady and the bastard she got hooked up with. Like, all of you, I can't believe so many innocent people die because I know. he's angry. And that's also, like, that poor child, his, like, child, oh and the God, ex. I, I hope the ex got, like, clean, but, like, come on. I Thank know. God they weren't, like, anywhere near that. Because, God, I I wish they would have been turned into burgers. Right? Honestly, I wish I could have found something about 
what his ex-wife or family or mm-hmm. I couldn't find any like comments or quotes from any of them. I probably just didn't want to be associated with it. Fuck no, I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> Me neither. That's that's atrocious. That's disgusting. Ew. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, the disgusting cannibal <laughs> burger serial killer. Giving you cannibals two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Cannibals. Um, and like hardcore revenge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Seems to be a it kind of like it kind of was like a mix of Sagawa and Mad Max in one. It really was, right? honestly. It was like cannibals. we just combined two murders into one and got it's crazy because no cannibal, but then trying to like a drug addict like wants revenge for something someone did him wrong that's yeah. crazy wow i can't get that i did want to say it is it's june 1st happy pride month we respect you guys i know we've witnessed people close to us this is a hard fight and we are here for you guys we are in your corner we support you and this is your month so celebrate it I'm having wine right now, so cheers to you guys. Yes, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, uh, maybe we will keep a break on the cannibalism. Yeah, but... maybe we'll do like a haunting or something. Like, I think that week. would be fun. Let's break, do a haunting. Get Give a everyone a little break. break. Yeah. Yeah, a little breather. You guys can eat dinner in peace for once. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you come across a cannibal ghost or something. Ooh. Oh, I'm going to look that now. I do have a two-parter case coming. Um, I told Sarah I went into a really, really deep, dark rabbit hole. And I am way too deep in my research. So I think we're going to have our first two-parter soon. I'm going to try and cut out some information, but... As I've been researching the case, there's just more and more that I think people need to know because when I first heard the case, I had so many questions and still so many of my questions are unanswered. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And we thank you guys for listening and we hope you come back. (laughs) Yeah, please do. We promise it won't just be all cannibals. (laughs) I, I'll I'll find a good haunting story for next week. All right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. We'll do that. I promise. <laughs> all right. We love you guys. See you next. We love week. you. Bye.